Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's program, just how much money can the Merc with the mouth make the second time around? Some troubling signs in the music industry. And what's the deal with all these video game delays? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media and Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out all of his great stuff today on HumanicaMedia.com. Also, as well, Humanica Media on YouTube, Podbean, and also apple podcast it is josh peterson what's up man hey 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 thank you for uh getting all of my titles correct it's usually a problem i feel like you don't give me the recognition that i deserve so after each episode i write down on this whiteboard next to my desk all the things that i can't stand about you and uh now i'm starting to erase some so thank you we're only down to ten thousand and six. close close if I somehow manage to get on your Christmas card list, I feel that's a win for me. But it is truly going to be a great episode we have here for you today. Josh and I are going to delve into a little bit more about the music scene. There's a recent death in the music industry that's touched a lot of hearts. He's going to delve into that. Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking about a lot of video game delays were announced this week. What's up with that? And how can it affect your gaming future? We're going to be talking about that and a lot more on today's show. But you know, Josh, well, actually, I think you forgot. This is one of the biggest weekends so far this summer. It is the weekend of Deadpool. And as the Merc with the Mouth is back on screen, he's in theaters all over the place. Deadpool 2 is hitting theaters this weekend. I want to hear your thoughts. Obviously, since you weren't really looking forward to it, maybe it's something that you just weren't really caring about, or was it something that was just maybe just not on your radar, or just you know you just plain forgot that this was the weekend for Deadpool too. Honestly, to me, I got a little annoyed with Deadpool, not with the movie, but with the fact that I mean, you know how I feel about movies like that. With like we talked about this with The Hangover too, how like. 90% of people liked the movie because it was so vulgar and over the top. And you would go outside, you hear like teenagers and little elementary school kids quoting the movie. And because of that, Deadpool just got put on the back burner in my mind. I like the movie. I like the character, but I'm just not as excited about it as I used to be. So I will go see this movie, but it's not like, I mean, with like Solo coming out and like Avengers Infinity War all these big movies, it's just not something that I was thinking about. It's something I want to see, but it's not something I'm really excited to watch. I know it's looking to get the record for an opening weekend here domestically for, and also actually worldwide for an R-rated movie, because as you and I both know, it is going to definitely have a lot of NSFW stuff going on. It is going to earn that R rating that it's going to have on there for you. But I tell you right now, I'm expecting some good things. 
The reviews are kind of all over the place when it comes to Deadpool 2. Some are actually saying it's a little bit better than the original, while a lot of others are saying that eh, it's either at or a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit below what the first one was because of the fact that they were trying to rehash a lot of the fourth wall and a lot of the gags that they already have done in the first film. So with a lot of critics, that there could be that type of mentality that been there, seen that already with Deadpool. I still think there's enough in the world of Deadpool to actually go see it myself as well. I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. I've been kind of looking forward to it as one of my top 10 films this summer to go see. I really think that it will be something that should entertain. Will it be as good as the first? I'm not sure. I, I, I have my doubts on that as well, but hopefully I will be pleasantly surprised. Right now, the Metacritic rating is hovering around the 70 mark, which is an okay for a AAA feature that's come out. So I'm expecting some decent things from the actual movie itself. A lot of the jokes may be hit or miss, as always, when it comes to Ryan Reynolds films. But the fact, I think, remains his shtick. Ryan Reynolds stick has been going on for a long time, even before Deadpool, even before the first Deadpool, he's been doing this type of deadpan, almost fourth wall type humor for a while now. And this Deadpool character that he's helped create has really made the best of what he can do and what he can perform with. It brought out the best in his character and brought out the best in him as a comedian. So I'm not sure if it's, if he's going to be able to hit those same high marks the second time around. But even if that's the case, it's still a movie worth watching. Oh, right. I mean, I don't think it's not a movie worth watching. Deadpool is a character, basically, the movie version of Deadpool is a character that basically is written for Ryan Reynolds. Nobody else could really play a character like that. You know, I'm excited to see it still. It's hyped so much that, like, I feel like I'm by the end of this week, I'm not going to need to go see it because I'm going to have heard people talk about it so much. It's just one of those movies to me. And I still want to see it and I will see it. But it's just as far as like the hype level goes, it's just not up there for me. Sometimes when it comes to Deadpool, I think, again, it comes down to what I said with the first one, that the marketing campaign was so well done and so well executed and so humorous and funny along with the trailers that I was worried going in to see the actual movie, which actually I waited for until it came out on video. I didn't think it was going to live up to that hype, but the first movie actually did match up to the hype of the excellent promotional campaign and the trailers that came out for it. We have that same situation again, where there has been a stellar promotional campaign and also as well, some really strong trailers that you and I have both heard and seen in the movie theaters that a lot of people are laughing to and actually a lot of people are liking on social media. Will that follow up with a solid movie once again? This I'm not so sure about, but even if that's the case, I still think there's going to be enough as far as the relationship between Cable, Deadpool, and the new X-Force that he's trying to guide and to see them bounce off of each other as far as not only action is concerned, but also as well the jokes that are going to be flying back and forth. I think that there will be enough with Deadpool to at least make it worthwhile for at least one viewing. But I, I, like you said, I do not think it will have the same kind of footprint that the original did. And that's really hard for virtually any sequel that's ever come out to at least a, a movie that's been really good with audiences like Deadpool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool that they are connecting it to the greater uh, X-Men universe and all that. But, you know, again, I think the a lot from what I'm understanding, critics are saying it's basically a lot of it is a lot of the first movie, like, you know, same jokes, same gags and stuff like that. So I'm um, I'm excited to see. I want it to tie into something bigger. I want Deadpool to I want to see Deadpool be connected to something bigger than himself, though. And I think that that would kind of bring me make me more excited about the character kind of bring me more into the story to know that he exists in a larger universe what if he were to actually get you know everything was okay with the fox disney merger when it came to their properties and whatnot and what if in the actual infinity war part two or whatever it's going to be called 
that he happens to walk on the screen and go at, right at it tit for tat with Thanos as far as a from a verbal standpoint seeing Josh Brolin and Ryan Reynolds on the screen in a different format this time around that would be cool but I feel like it would ruin the whole uh tragic villain they created around Thanos but it oh would... I know it would it, it would but it would, at least for five minutes it would be fun no, it would be for sure but it would also like I was kind of thinking like a cameo, like if you ever watch the old Justice League cartoons, you see how like Jonah Hex just randomly rides through the screen on certain episodes. Like they'll they'll be floating on a space station. You'll see a guy on a horse just go by in the background. You're like, oh, that's Jonah Hex. I feel like something like that would be cool for Deadpool coming into the MCU. You just have him like just like a quick not like nobody really acknowledges he's there, but he just kind of walks around and looks at things. And then he walks off screen just so you know he's there. Like that would be cool to me. Don't pull out the, the Justice League because you know I got to do my Solomon Solomon Grundy gonna get you gonna get those super friends. I got to throw that out there each and every yeah, time. That was good. That was good. I try that. Yeah, I've been working on that one for a long time since I watched Justice League as a kid. So, but going back to what we were talking about when it comes to Deadpool two, it is targeted for a huge opening. Will it get the largest opening for an R rated film? I think it will. But let me ask you this, Josh. Do you think it will actually garner the same type of worldwide box office revenue that the original did? And while you're going to be going ahead and mulling that over, I'm going to tell you it made over $700 million worldwide. I'll get you the exact numbers here in a sec, but $700 million worldwide. Do you think it'll reach that number and go even higher? Yeah, I think so. I don't see why it wouldn't. Because the same people who went to see the first one are probably going to go see the second one. It's not you had a very small percentage of like surprised moms and grandmas who took their kids to the movies and came out saying, don't go watch this. Remember that whole like smear campaign that was started after the last one because they didn't know what they were getting into. Yes. And uh, by the way, it almost earned eight hundred million dollars. It made about seven hundred eighty three to be exact. I don't think it's going to make what the first one made just because and it's not because it's going to be a bad movie just because people are still going to see Avengers Infinity War and it, it's coming out right in the middle of the Infinity War and Han Solo. So I'd be surprised if it made what the first one did, but it's going to get pretty close to it in my predictions. I think it will get close to it as well. I think the fact, like you said, right on the money that it that has come out in May, smashed in between. I don't know if Deadpool would like that, but smashed in between Avengers Infinity War and Solo, two weeks apart on both ends. That does not spell long-term success for the movie, plus also a lot of good movies coming up in June as well, Ocean's 8, The Incredibles, and so forth, uh, The Incredibles 2, and so forth. I think that's going to hamper its long-term success a little bit as well. So I, I see it garnering over $600 million, possibly $700 million, but I don't see it going much farther than that. I don't think it will reach the heights of the first movie simply because of the fact that the reviews have been mixed. And I think social media probably will come out in a little while with people actually watching the film and saying, eh, maybe you want to watch this and catch this on video or Maybe watch this when it hits streaming options and, and so forth. And some will be deterred from actually seeing it maybe two, three weeks down the line because Solo will be out. Also, like I said, the the movie's in early June as well. So I think it will definitely hit $600 million. $700 million, I think it might. But after that, I, I don't think it reached the same heights of the original. And I think that can be attested to the fact that it's not garnering the same kind of favorable opinion that the first one did yeah i mean you know like i said it's just coming out in between two uh big movies and i know this is one of those ones that's probably not welcome over in china so has that working against it but it, it'll it'll make a lot of money and they'll contemplate making a third one or at least incorporating deadpool into another movie so this is not the last i will see of deadpool what's interesting to see though is that the production budget for this is almost doubled what the original one was. And that's kind of funny because in the first place, Fox had some apprehensions on pulling out all the stops for the original. And I know there were some issues with the production and what 
the original movie intended to do and intended to show audiences out there, but couldn't because of the lack of funding as compared to what they wanted to do. The production budget, I think, was right around 50 to 60 million at that point in time for the original. Now they're almost doubling it with over a hundred million dollars here for this production. So it looks like Deadpool 2 is taking out all the stops on this occasion. And it looks like, at least on the surface, that it's going to have a big first two weeks. But later on, a couple weeks from now, as Solo, Ocean's 8, The Incredibles 2 come out, will it see the legs that it needs to in order to be a movie that's more successful than the original? That we're highly skeptical of. But here's to Deadpool for making another movie that's going to entertain audiences one more time. What are your thoughts on Deadpool 2? Are you excited to go see the Merc with the Mouth going up on screen once again? Are you really in tune to what he's going to be doing and are you looking forward to it? Or are you like Josh, who's maybe a little bit apprehensive in going, maybe it's going to go a little bit later on, or are you really turned off by the Deadpool character? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. We're going to have an awesome episode indeed. We've got so much to talk about. Right after the break, we've got the guys from Topicocalypse sharing their thoughts on the state of YouTube and where it's headed. And then we've got Josh and I talking about, after that, the music industry with a terrible death and what affects the mental health issues might mean in the music industry. He's going to share some thoughts on that here in a little bit. And then after that, video game delays have been running rampant this week. We'll tell you the scorecard on what games got delayed and what that means to you gamers. But right now we've got a song that was sent over to us by Phil Matthews, a.k.a. The Village. This is a track from his latest album, Carnival of Fools. You can get this album today on thevillage.me.uk. That's thevillage.me.uk. And then once again, this is Phil Matthews, a.k.a. The Village, and this is Always On Her Mind. And this is the PCC Multiverse. I saw that girl today The one you always say Seems distant but somehow pretty nice You know she said to me That she wants me to be The one to pass on some advice She wants you Feel she needs you To be with her all the time Said she's only She's feeling fine You are always Yes, you're always You are always on her mind I wish it could be me Rather than you
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. Welcome back to the Amber Alert Podcast. For real. (laughs) You stole a kid. <laughs> yeah. So if you see a white Dodge Challenger, <laughs> yeah, yeah. better Westminster. Yeah. All right, guys. So we're back. The original four best buds. The core four. Our, the, the core four best friends are sitting around this table. I am Josh. You guys know that. <laughs> I forgot my name. Hey, for real. When I was in, uh, I was in the sixth grade. I for some reason wrote John on all my papers for a week. <laughs> And I didn't realize I was doing it until my teacher called me out on it. Um, <laughs> you would have failed anyways, the SATs. I am not John. My name is Josh, and I'm joined here by Brian Kane, PhD. Hi, Josh. <laughs> it's John, actually. Um, uh-huh. big, <laughs> big, big dog, Jay Lenahan. How you doing, buddy? Is that my name? Hi, John. <laughs> and here we go. Denial. John Knight's guy. John, 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 John sure. Go, we're all Johns tonight. Wait, that sounds bad. Hey. This is the Four Johns podcast. We're all Johns tonight, boys. Um, the ladies just left. All right, so <laughs> it's been a while since uh, Denial has it's had a... It's been a while. Since I <laughs> um, So you have a... <laughs> you have a topic for us. I do us. have a topic. All right, I want to know, what is your topic? So with the... Tube of you, so we don't get what banned off of YouTube. I mean, what is it? Uh, YouTube, what? Oh, YouTube, Porn, okay. Pornhub. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Uh, so there, I applied whole... to work for Pornhub, by the way. They said no. Uh, uh, they said you're too crazy. Didn't no, you? their offices are not where I would be able to go. So with YouTube <laughs> and their wonderful algorithms of you, advertising, you or YouTube? Yeah, those two. Remember yeah. when YouTube put songs and forced you to have it on that iPod? Oh, yes, we've had this conversation quite a few times. Awful album. Anyways. For the starving kids. For YouTube. For YouTube. The little play button. What, Josh? Was this before or after Joshua Tree? Come again? John Tree. Was this before? (laughs) So, they they took their advertising monies away from this quote-unquote smaller channels. And they're like, oh, well, there's not enough advertising to go around for all the channels, so blah, 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 blah. Well, I watch a gaming channel on YouTube. They have a couple million, quite more than a couple million subscribers. Wow, that's a lot. So last week I was watching, you know, videos in my downtime, like lunch breaks and stuff like that. And they had three to five advertisements in each video. Either it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes long. So it would literally cut out three to five times on every video I watched from this channel. And they're all for Pacific Rim. and The new movie, the Pacific. The new movie, Pacific Rim. Even if I had any inkling of wanting to see that movie to begin with, I don't now. Because it was Pacific Rim. Every single time they'd go to commercial, it was that for a week straight. And then it made me realize something else today as I was driving over here to cast these pods. Ooh, I like that. They took away all these advertisements and put them on all the bigger channels and just start flooding those videos with those advertisements because they want ultimately they want you to go ahead and subscribe for $10 a month to YouTube Red where you don't get any commercials. So, yeah, it's a conspiracy theory against YouTube, but it 
kind of makes sense. I don't think, think about it. I think it. I think it's exactly what it is. I don't even think there's a conspiracy. I think that's exactly what they're doing. You should put your ads where the most people are going to see them. So you're going to go to these channels with a million plus subscribers, like you were talking about, because you're going to get more people seeing them. Yeah, but then, yeah, and then you're so small to- channels like ours. They're not going to put ads on ours because we play music that we can't do, but also because we get, you know, maybe 50, 100 people, 300, 400 on your Ralph Garman one denial. Um, they don't care about 400 people. Yeah. They care about 400,000 people. And now they're trying to get these people that are of these hundreds of thousands of millions of subscribers that are going to get tired of these videos and want to put out the 10 bucks a month to watch it without any commercials. But to me, that's not worth it. Right. Because... Right, the yellow markers on the timeline show like when the commercial is going to pop up. Right? Yep, yep. And I can even watch it on my TV because I have a smart TV at home, and it's just that one's easier because you skip it in five seconds, no matter what the advertisement is. But my question is, how many advertisements of the same movie, same website, same website building website is too much? Like when when do you say, okay, you know what, I've had enough. I'm not watching anything on this right now. You know, it's interesting. I always feel like well, it's a lot. Uh, I feel like people are going to always want to watch these videos. Mm -hmm. They haven't hit that breaking point yet. So what you're talking about is at what point are you going to hit your max threshold where people are going to say, you know what, I'm done with YouTube. I'm going to go find something else because I'm sick of all these advertisements. It's going to start to feel like actual TV, which was commercials every 10 minute block. You know, seven minutes of TV, three minutes of commercials or six. It's already worse on YouTube, though. It's, yeah, it's kind of like what happened to Hulu, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's weird because now they even like if you're watching it on a computer, you're actually they give you a chance to do a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Literally hit thumbs down every time for Pacific Rim, and it's still I'm like okay, yep. you guys aren't either one aren't paying attention or two don't give a flying whatever. In those algorithms, they don't care about the thumbs down because they're not trying to tailor it to you. So Google already has everything they want to know about you. They right. know your age, they know your browsing patterns, they know what websites you're on, what websites you aren't on. Mm-hmm. They know what videos you're watching. YouTube will go if you look in actually Google's database, they will say, "All right, Denial Night Sky." Nice guy. Yeah, close. Denial Night Sky. <laughs> I think you're a nice guy. Ding ding. They will say, you know, he's Caucasian male. Under 40, likes such and such channel, such and such channel. Long Island Ice Teas and Walks on the Beach. Yes. Most likely is going to be wanting to see this advertiser. And then there's a competition of advertisers. So within Google, there's a bidding system for advertisers for how much money you want to pay Google for people to click on your thing. I mean, I can see them. So that's why movies always are the first ones to show up. And I can see why they would put Pacific Rim because it is kind of in that same genre, the same demographic. As me watching, you know, a gaming channel. Yep. Where they're either playing video games or they're playing board games or whatever the case may be. That's just it. So I can see it, but it's like, it sucks, for the, right? For the love of everything that's holy, you can yep. seriously show me more than just Pacific Rim. I know there's other movies coming out. Like I would totally watch the whole Venom one again. Mm-hmm. Like over and over again. That's fine. Yep. But Pacific Rim is like I have no interest in this movie now. But with the bid process on Google's end, Google is getting more money for people who click and watch through Pacific Rim per 15 second clip right then venom then let's make a website okay. then whatever else do right. you think that ever works like in their not in their favor though when they just completely overwhelm a viewer with a certain trailer do you think that has a negative impact on the movie that's what i'm wondering because i mean it is i guess it would be such a small demographic you know in the bigger in the broader picture because like how many people are actually you know it's a good question there's a good chunk of the population who's going to get sick of it. But at the end of the day, you're not replacing YouTube. I'm sorry. That's Topicocalypse. Catch them today on the Topicocalypse channel on Podbean, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and also selected episodes on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. We'll be right back with more of the PCC Multiverse. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. 
And we are back once again with the PCC Multiverse. Just want to make sure and let you know our shows are being streamed seven days a week on online radio stations and that we deliver two brand new shows covering the latest in pop culture every Monday and Friday to Apple Podcasts or over 30 different podcast networks. Just subscribe to any one of them on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel to get all the great stuff that's going on there, all the great shows that we're adding on to it as well. And just check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page for our entire radio schedule and a list of those podcast networks. And remember, for the best flavor out there for your cooking, check out the Wheelie Q sauces, rubs, and seasonings on wheelieq.com. And remember, if you order there, use the bonus code POD2, that's P-O-D-2, and you'll get an extra 15% off your order. Josh, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. Keep us in the know, man. What's going on with Humanica Media? Uh, we have a brand new episode of, um, actually, I don't know if there's a new, oh, brand new episode of Topicocalypse that just dropped uh, about Sports Fanatic. No? Yes. No, cover songs. Okay, that's what we're looking for, cover songs. So if you, we talk about all the greats, is inspired by Daniel's obsession with that Bad Wolves cover of the uh, of Zombie by uh, the Oh, Crash. that is horrible. I just, my gosh, I, I cannot believe they did that. Just after her death, too. That was just, it's just awful. I don't know why everybody likes it so much. But... It's just, it's, it's terrible. I don't usually not really want to say bad things about anything, but that, I hear it all the time on SiriusXM. It is awful, and the bad thing about it is that it's charting up each and every week. Yeah, it's 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 overplayed quite a bit. I talked about how I like the um the David Bowie the Under Pressure cover by My Chemical Romance and the Used. That was always really good. But anyways, we have a uh, new Super BS. My God of War review goes up on the Super BS Games Cast tonight, so you can definitely check that out. And then a new Inside Sports dropped earlier today as well. And as a Monkees fan, I will tell you, Smash Mouth makes a great rendition of I'm a Believer. So uh, I'll, I'll say that cover song is definitely one that people need to listen to going back a few years ago. But be that as it may, you can check out all the great stuff today on HumanicaMedia.com. Josh, you want to talk about certain things going on in the music industry, whether you want to call it a disturbing trend or something that's really going on that needs to be addressed. We're back at it again. We've talked about this subject before when it comes to video games and also streaming television. Now it's hitting the music industry over the past year. It has with some very notable deaths in regards to mental health. So Josh, I know you want to take some time to talk about it. So please uh, share us your thoughts, especially with the recent death that has touched you specifically and that you wrote about on our popculturecosmos.wordpress.com site. Yeah, so I, you know, I kind of mentioned this. You can check out the article on the uh, on our website, but um, this is kind of the first time. So Scott Hutchison of Frightened Rabbit. I don't know if you're a fan of the band. I've always been a huge fan of them. Uh, he, they haven't released, you know, his cause of death, but the speculation is that he killed himself. He jumped off a bridge and killed himself. But, um, you know, and this is kind of the first time that I have been hit by something like this because you have all these singers out there who are pouring their hearts out to, you know, let people know that, um, you know, dealing with singing about mental health, singing about stuff like then like the the great the thing about Frying Rabbit is that he sang about this stuff, like he sang about mental health and suit and wanting to commit, wanting to kill himself and like being depressed and not being able to get over love and his uncertainties with God and stuff. And he sang about all this stuff. He poured his heart out into this, these songs. That's what allowed people to connect with him. Like this is the reason this hit me so hard was like, you know, you have Chester Bennington, Lane Staley, um, Chris Cornell. Like I love these guys and I really like their music, but they, I never connected with them as human beings. Like when their stuff comes on the radio, I think back on them and I tell myself, I'm like, it's too bad what happened to those guys. But with Scott Hutchison, like it was weird because like I have been following this guy for a long time and I connected with him because he's saying about stuff that like I have experienced. So when I found out that he died, it kind of hit me and put me in a in a, in a weird place because it kind of made me we're experiencing this thing where everybody's singing about these things and everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's it's good lyrical content, but they're not really like hearing the struggle of the singers so like when 
Scott Hutchison, for example, goes off and he does this to himself. We don't think that maybe maybe he's he's helping us, but maybe somebody needs to help him. And that's the the real shame is that we still as a society, we still can't talk about mental health. We can't. It's so misunderstood. Like, for example, like I had a conversation with uh, somebody in my family about this and they just didn't understand. They just kept saying, like, why can't you just be happy? Why can't you just why do depressed people feel the need to kill themselves? Why don't they just stop feeling that way? And it's not that simple. Like, it really is something that grabs you and you don't know when it's going. You don't know when it's going to hit you. Sometimes you already have it, but you don't know when it's going to get bad. Like, for example, um, you've heard of Ned Vizzini, right? Who wrote It's Kind of a Funny Story. So he is uh, he was an author who went through all this stuff and he, uh, you know, it's kind of a funny story. It's kind of a fictionalized version of his time in a mental hospital. And he talks about how, you know, the stuff he went through, the people he met and how like he found hope by basically being in a community of people who felt like him. And it's like and that's what it goes to show you. Like it really helps to know that you're not alone in this uh, in these types of things. But you know, he wrote these books and he, he held clinics and he reached out to fans personally trying to help them get through these kinds of things. And in the end, not even he was able to overcome it because he threw himself off of a building. You know, same thing, Scott Hutchison, like he sang about this stuff. He wore his heart on his sleeve. His family knew about all this stuff and he did his best to try to be on the same page with people and help them out. And even in the end, he couldn't do anything about it. and i think what this goes to show is that we need to have a conversation about mental health we need to there's a lot going on in in uh you know the musical community the entertainment community we need to have a conversation about this that doesn't uh seek to monetize it we need to have an honest conversation that doesn't involve you know social media likes and stuff like that and until we can make this a a you know, an important topic that people are will not afraid to talk about and people are tiptoeing around it mostly. But like we that doesn't have a Netflix show that just comes in like bulldozes the whole thing until we're able to have that as a society. You know, it's just I feel like it's going to continue to get worse. And you see how it has affected, for instance, you know, with with the deaths, like you said, of not only Chester Bennington, but Scott Weiland, uh, you know, and the list is just goes on and on and on. I, I know that personally, the the Stone Temple Pilots, uh, you know, the band has been hit twice with with such you know harsh realities of of life and in regards to to this as well. But let me ask you this: Does this trend, do you think, start off with the signature unfortunate passing via suicide by Kurt Cobain? Did he, in an unknowing way or in an unfortunate way, maybe start something in regards to... Because there have been artists over the years in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s that did take their life via suicide. But it wasn't until maybe Kurt Cobain actually took his life that it really seemed to take it to a different level. I mean, I'm... I'm sure there are. I don't think like that's the case with like Chester Bennington, Chris Cornell, Scott Hutchison. I don't think it's the case there. But um, okay, here's a weird one. There is a uh, Norwegian metal band, and I forget what they're they're called, but like they have singers, and they go through. Um, I think is like five years as a singer of this band, and once, and then they go and on stage they commit ritualistic suicide, and that's what keeps people stoked about the music. So each singer wears a piece of the old singer's skull around their neck. So I think, yeah, there is a, I'm sure there are people who, you know, like you said back then, who did that stuff just because it helped. Uh, they're like, yeah, I want to go out on top or I want to uh, make a spectacle of myself. Because I know Chris Cornell dying uh, and and him passing away was really something that affected me because I was such a fan of Soundgarden and the music that they provided to an audience. Plus also Scott Weiland was, you know, with STP. I mean, I love a lot of their stuff as well. Right. And it kind of, yeah. And I know he'd had a drug problem for a while and that was always a point of tension with the band, but he, uh, a lot of these guys, I feel like they're reaching out for help and nobody's helping them. Well, you can even go back as far as, you know, like I said, some of those sixties groups, as far as have that issue, Michael Hutchins from in excess, infinitely talented just a group that really charted and was one of the top bands of the 80s 
and could have evolved into something even more in the 90s and beyond. It could have been one of those transcendent groups like we see today with U2 and and some others that are still able to go ahead and tour to this day and still be effective and be well-known out there. He took his life, I believe, and and obviously he took his life and and look what happened there as far as another iconic artist it just like you said there is a problem that i don't think is being addressed right and i think that the circumstances are different for each person like obviously scott weil and i think lane staley too to some extent had uh issues with drugs but like chris cornell chester bennington uh scott hutchison like these were all guys who just they put their hearts out there for people and nobody, the signs were all there, but you know, he, they were, they're people's icons. So nobody really stopped to question um, what was going on with them, I guess, in their personal lives. Um, In the statement released by uh, Scott Hutchison's family, they said that they knew he'd always been struggling with this and they admired how he was able to fight it and get through it. But like, you know, it's a light switch, man. You, you like, you don't know when you're always experiencing it, but you don't know when it's going to push you to that point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And that's the most terrifying thing about it. And it makes me wonder, like, even if people were to have conversations about this, would it be able to do anything? Because unless you've experienced it, there's no way for you to truly fathom what this is. Exactly. But one of the people are now actually with, 13 Reasons Why and some other things that are going on are trying to affect, uh, well, Sasuna's sacrifice for one as far as the video game industry, but also as well things like what what's one of the most popular hip-hop songs that have come out in the past year is the actual hotline number for suicide prevention. So there are some small steps being taken to try and talk about this problem or bring it out to the forefront. But like you, I don't think there's enough being done to bring this out into the light and try and give people the true best help that they can get. 13 reasons why is kind of a train wreck though. That was pure publicity. Like they, but it did, did bring the actual conversation out as far as, you know, I know for instance, you and I, we went, we, we talked about uh, it on our show as far as you know how it affected you in in such a negative fashion yeah right but it it also like makes what it did was kind of glorify it though it made it feel like it was an accessory so now you have you you go out to like barnes and noble and stuff and you see all these like young adult novels talking about suicide depression and you see these kids running around and they wear it like it's some kind of accessory when it's not it's something that that shouldn't be bulldozed like that. And if, and if 13 reasons why I was really sincere about it, they wouldn't have made a second season if that makes sense. But like, I, you know, I, that's not even, that's not here or there, but like, it is something that needs to be talked about. It needs to be done in a fashion that doesn't make it look like someone's trying to monetize it or get YouTube or Instagram or Facebook likes off of it. It needs to just be something that people are able to talk about comfortably and without you know someone going oh my gosh you're asking this question you need to go to therapy like that it just needs to be people need to be able to talk about it comfortably and we are not currently at a point where we can do that well one of the things that is being done is actually by yourself and that you're actually detailing it out there for the world you're you're putting a lot out there as far as your own opinions on this subject there's a lot of great blogs that you have made that are available on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. That's not a pitch. It's not a sales thing or anything like that. It's just you sharing your thoughts out there. And I think a lot of people should actually take a read on it because they can get a better idea of what's going on. And maybe they can relate it to something that they're dealing with as well in regards to mental health. And I do want to make sure that everybody knows out there, if you have an issue or you have a concern about yourself or a loved one in regards to mental health or possible suicidal thoughts or tendencies, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, their phone number is 1-800-273-8255. They're there every day, 24 hours a day, because mental health doesn't wait for anything or anyone. And if you need help or you know someone who does, please call that number, 1-800-273-8255. 
I know this is supposed to be a light show. We talk a lot about pop culture stuff, but these are issues that do come into the forefront, not only when it concerns streaming and television, but also as well, video games within the past year. Any final thoughts on this, Josh, as far as for what you want to express to people out there in regards to this mental health issue as it relates to the music industry? Yeah, I mean, not so much as it relates to the music industry, but like, honestly, if you know somebody who is suffering from depression, don't berate them. Don't, you know, in any fashion, I guess, bully them in any way, but like, let them know their love. Or or don't joke at with them, too. Don't take it seriously. Take it take it as is because it could be lead to a bigger issue correct right and like i had you know growing up i had a lot of friends like you need to stop being such an emo kid all the time like that didn't help but don't try to like pry into a conversation with them don't try to pry into into their lives they will open up to you in time but just let them know that they're loved and that you're there for them because trust me knowing that you're not alone can make all of the difference that is correct and you know if you're out there again if you need help or you know someone that does, reach out, talk to them, try and see if you can find some kind of middle ground as far as an answer is concerned. Or like I said, call that number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. What are your thoughts out there on mental health and the music industry? Have you been affected by all the terrible deaths and the terrible suicides that have taken place, not only recently within the past year, two years, but also in the past to major artists as well? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, you can send us a message via popculturecosmos, Game Source, or Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a lot of video game delays that have happened over the past few days, but why are they happening? We're going to delve a little bit deeper into them and talk a little bit about the business of video games when it comes to these delays. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show we have heavy metal, comic books, video games, movies, theme parks, and more. Wait, 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 comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does. All of us Metal Geeks can be found at MetalGeeks.net. At Metal Geeks for Twitter. Metal Geeks on Instagram. And Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald coming right back at you with Josh right here. Thanks so much to the guys from Topicocalypse, including you, Josh, for sharing your thoughts on YouTube today. Josh, before we head on out, we've got to talk about all these video game delays that have happened over the past few days, because in a lot of cases, these video game companies are reporting these to their shareholders and and to the press as far as not only with their yearly and quarterly earnings, but they're kind of sliding in. Well, this game is, you know, we made this much, we made this much, but we're not going to have this game when we said we're going to have it. It's going to come out on this year or this month, or it's going to be pushed back to here or there. So I will say that game that 2K was going to be coming out with a AAA game, which was either Bioshock or Borderlands 3, that has been delayed. Metro Exodus has been delayed. Ubisoft's new pirate game, Skull and Bones, that has been delayed as well. Shenmue 3 that reimagining of that classic game that got, well, actually, I think it's the largest, or it's the most supported game on Kickstarter. That has been delayed. That's a lot of games, man. I think there's probably more to come before E3 hits. So I ask you, man, what are your thoughts on all these games getting delayed? 
what's the deeper meaning behind all these games getting pushed back to 2019 and beyond? I think that they're probably under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, I'm glad uh, Metro Exodus is one, despite getting delayed, I know that they're still working on it. It's not one that's in danger of being canceled because it is going to be at E3 and I will be able to, I'm going to be that game out. So I know time. you were excited about that. Yeah, I'm going to go see Metro Exodus. I'm going to go uh, get to see Metro Exodus. Uh, and it gets delayed. No, it, well, here's the thing with that, though, is is that like, it was last year at E3. It was really Xbox's only like big title that was being shown off. And, you know, we know that it still exists. So that's something. As for 2K's game, and we've seen concept footage of what we think is a Borderlands game. And there's been whispers of a new Bioshock game. But they haven't officially announced either of them. And Randy Pitchford, it, he has a lot of people pretty pissed off. Borderlands 3, what, it's been like five years now since the pre-sequel came out. And there's a lot of people who are really upset. They want to see Borderlands. They want proof. They want to see footage that it's actually being worked on, but they won't say anything. And I know like in tweets, people, the people who work there have come out and say, yeah, it's in development. We're currently working on it. But, you know, even if it's if that is the game being delayed, they need to put something out there. They need to put out a trailer. They need to put out just even if it was just a logo saying coming 2019 or 2020 just to give the fans some goodwill because we're going to get to a point where we're so tired of hearing about this mythological game that nobody's going to want to play it when it comes out. And that is the worst thing that a video game could have happened to them. As for Bioshock, Bioshock is such a legendary franchise that people won't care. It's the moment that that logo pops up on the screen at like E3 or GDC or PAX or whatever, people are going to lose their minds over it. Right. The last entry in the Bioshock series, Bioshock Infinite, may be considered one of the prettiest games of the last generation, but it didn't quite match up as far as the sales are concerned to what the production value and the actual video game represented as far as a quality or, or a consuming experience is concerned. I think that maybe there's an apprehension there. I think it's going to be a Borderlands game that's going to be coming out if it is a Bioshock game, I won't be dissatisfied with either, but I think Borderlands is a safer bet to come out, and that's the one I think that's going to be released in 2019. Bioshock is a very volatile series because the first two were great just because they were terrifying. Um, the second, the third one kind of dove a lot into social themes, and not that that's a problem. Like, Look at Wolfenstein did that really well, and that uh, Wolfenstein 2 became one of the most... Um, you know, socially uh, conscious and well-accepted games of last year. But uh, with with Infinite, they kind of did a... They, they went a weird route where the social theme overpowered the gameplay. And I think that's what a lot of people either liked or didn't like. Whereas Bioshock 1 and 2, you can just kind of dive into it. And despite this, the, the themes in that game, people were excited just to see what it was and and see what the uh, you know the the story with like atlas ryan and stuff like that like that was um you know the social themes were undertones whereas in infinite the social themes were were the game and so that was a i think that's one of the dangers of things like that and it you know it was good i i liked it i'm in the middle of it right now and i actually just never got around to playing it until uh you know like a month ago so i've been diving in and out of it and i love it but I think Borderlands is like the safer bet because that's a game that people there is a huge hype train around the Borderlands uh, series right now. And the more that they wait to put that game out, the less and less hype that is going to be revolving around that game. So they need to either put it out or just tell fans that it's not going to happen because the fear here just for me reading the the boards and all that is that Borderlands is going to have be a microtransaction driven game and that's what people don't want so they need to come out and just like make all these fears go away for people so i think that will help keep them going into whatever the next phase of their development cycle is instead of like having this worry that we're going to have to keep paying for things over and over again to get it i agree with you and especially the microtransaction issue because that has become a hotly contested issue the the loot boxes still are there. I know uh, uh, there's been several instances where, in, in recently, where video game developers and video game publishers have had to tell consumers whether or not there's going to be loot boxes or microtransactions in their games that are coming up. Because I know that 
for a lot of gamers is a highly contentious point of, of conjecture when it comes to whether or not they want to go ahead and purchase the game. So that's definitely something to keep in mind there. But I realize that with these earning calls that they make to their shareholders and they try to slip in the fact that these games are being delayed as they're announcing their huge profits, their huge gross dollars and all that. The fact is, is that even though the shareholders themselves are not as concerned in regards to what they're hearing when they hear that a game's been delayed, as long as it's something that they may not be able to be as as uh, familiar with, let's say a, a Red Dead Redemption 2 slides again into 2019, that would be a bigger concern, but that looks to be right on point for an October release. What the bigger issue is here is, is this going to affect the actual games themselves and their popularity with gamers because of continual delays? And all of them have the excuse that, oh, we're working on it to get more polish on it to get it more polished for release. And we just need more time to polish the game. And if I hear the word polish one more time, when it concerns a video game, I tell you what, I think I'm going to scream because it just is, that's just, it doesn't fly with consumers or gamers anymore. That word, let's polish the game. We're going to polish the game. more. I I mean, I I've heard polish so many times recently that I feel like I'm right. I, I actually, hearing more about car wax than I am actually video games as far as what we're talking about. Yeah. Look at Scalebound. How many times they say that that was being polished and then they're like, okay, game's not coming out anymore. And it's just like, that was it. And you didn't hear anything more about that. So nothing is ever set in stone with video games until you get a release date or you actually get the game in your hands. And that's, what's very sad about the, the state of the industry these days. And enough of the quote-unquote polish and just basically, like you said, just throw out a logo, throw out a trailer, keep the gamers satiated and satisfied that a quality product will be coming out sometime in the near future. What are your thoughts on all these video game delays? Are you cool with it because you want a better product? In the past, Josh and I have said that as well, that oh, it's okay for the delay because, you know, they're going to come out with a better product. But now it's happened so many times, we are both kind of getting concerned about it. Are you as well? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, it's been a great episode on our Monday show. We're going to recap everything that went on this weekend with Deadpool 2 and so much more. Any last thoughts on our way out? Yeah, back to the uh the topic we were discussing earlier. Check if you haven't had a chance, check out Frightened Rabbit's music because if you are going through things like that, like if it can do for you what it did for me, I think that you won't regret pressing play on a few of those. And again, one last time, and I think this should be said as much as possible when regards to talking about mental health. If you have any type of issues, suicidal thoughts, or know someone who does that you truly care about, that you've spoken to, or you want to give out more love to, and you need an, a resource or an outlet to go to, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 any time of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, because there are experts there that can truly help and provide maybe a better understanding of what's going on with not only yourself or someone you love. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.